1: Hey, I'm Logan Harpool with Team Dynamic Discs, and you're listening to the Chain Clinkers Podcast.
0: Welcome, in everybody, to the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Ferris. Today, we are joined by Logan Harpool, three time guest on the podcast. Super excited to talk to him and all that has changed in his life and game so far this season before we jump into it i do want to let you guys know about the premier sponsor for this episode upper park disc golf they make some of the best bags in the disc golf industry i've been using my rebel for about two years absolutely love it i see no signs of wear and tear on it I can get so many discs in there, tons of storage. The wa- Two water bottle holders absolutely clutch during the summer. Now it's just a phone holder for one during the winter when I don't need that second water bottle holder. They are truly amazing. You can now get 15% off by using promo code CLANKERS at checkout. That is right, CLANKERS at checkout will give you 15% off. Today, we are talking to Logan Harpool, local here out of Wichita. Had a pretty good season, I would say. I was looking at your profile. And I saw a lot of ones on there, a lot of wins, so that's always a good season to have, getting those underneath your belt, on the tour a little bit, and uh, I think one of the most notable, at least for me, bringing home the W at Keeper of the Chains, uh, probably the A tier here in Wichita, the largest tournament in Wichita, that's such an amazing accomplishment, and uh, I can't say enough good things about Logan, but Logan, how are we doing tonight, man?
1: I'm great, just got out of... Seven and a half hours of parent teacher conferences, and excited to talk to you. Yeah,
0: this is one of the hardest workers in the disc golf industry. And I know we've talked a little bit about it before, but truly, I think the work that you do outside of disc golf is absolutely amazing. And what you do for the kids day in and day out is uh, really awesome. And it's a field that my sister's kind of starting to go in as she's kind of deciding what her career path is. So, you know, really am happy for all that you do for them and the kids. So that's just absolutely amazing.
1: Well, thanks, man. It's uh, everything in my life kind of fell into place and I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And it's, I get the best of both worlds. I get to step into a school where I'm just Mr. Harpool, And then I get to step into disc golf where I have the perfect amount of, of notoriety to where people know me, but I'm just Logan. I'm not famous, but I, I I like to think I have a decent little following where when I go to communities, most people are happy to see me. So it's, I'm happy with where I'm at. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I know I'm always happy to see you on the disc golf course. I think the last time I saw you, we were at Newton, I think, almost probably close to about a year ago. And, and you were absolutely shredding it out there. I know you're shredding it on the course a lot. What, how would you kind of define your 2023 season?
1: There's two sides to it. Uh, first, the tour the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and this is probably the as best place to say it as any. Uh, this is an announcement that I haven't said publicly at all. I've told a couple buddies, I've told my family, but uh, the first time that the masses will hear it in 2024 and beyond, I will no longer be prioritizing the Disc Golf Pro Tour in my schedule. And it's impossible for me to talk about my 23 season without elaborating on how much of a failure I was on the Pro Tour For not reasons of physical ability, but everything off the course, things off the course that affected me, uh, just some life getting in the way, some mental health, some injuries, and it was obstacle after obstacle. Uh, So the disc golf pro tour, I was horrible. But locally, Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Nebraska, even Alaska, I was on the podium all but two times. And that's where I want to be. That's where I belong. And. Uh, if you know me, you know that my faith is very important to me, and it was a lot of prayer and reflection with those first few Pro Tours because I'm coming off a 22 season where I finished on the on the podium of an event. I had a couple top 25s in the past, and I played at USDGC in 2021. Coming into this season, every physical tool of mine was better than it's ever been. My putt, my forehand, my backhand, I'm, I was physically healthy. Everything was better than it ever was, but when I went on the road, And I was a tour card holder this year. So I thought if I can be at those events, I need to be at those events, which wasn't correct, but that's the way I was thinking. And so here's how my pro tour season went. Waco, I'm in the hospital the night before the event. I'm on muscle relaxers for that event. And if you've ever been on those, man, you're loopy. And so I played that event pretty doped up, recovered, didn't really get to practice for Austin, was still on the drugs, still just lethargic, didn't have it, didn't play well. So I started my season with two missed caches there. I go to Jonesboro, dealing with some personal things. That's an eight-hour drive, and I learned the course in the rain, tried to play the event. Some things happened back at the school, Uh, things personally. I wound up taking a DNF and coming home so that I could rest up and be there for my kids. I don't want to elaborate too much without, you know, I don't want to mention names. But uh, things were happening that I needed to take care of back at home, and I took a DNF and came home. Then Dynamic Discs Open, I finished on the podium last year, showed up this year just thinking too much and trying too hard, didn't have a great weekend. And then before Des Moines, I called my team managers and said, hey, whether I win this or I'm dead last, I'm out. This, this is, it, there's too many obstacles. I believe that God is pushing me away from the pro tour at this point and saying go back home, go be the weekend warrior that you're supposed to be. And as soon as I did that, I'm right back at the top of events. And not only that, but disc golf is fun and I have an overwhelming amount of peace about where my game is at. So, the disc golf pro tour, horrible this year. I, I played terrible locally, A tiers and B tiers. I have two finishes that are outside the top three, and I was very happy. The most, I think the most wins I've ever had in a season was five, and I'm currently sitting at seven. So, to say, you know, yes, my pro tour season was not great. But I've had the best year I've ever had off the pro tour. Very consistent at the top of events. Had a couple outliers where I didn't have it, but that's sports. It's the way things go. Uh, got to go to Alaska. Took second up there. Had a lot of fun, and so that's a, a drawn-out way to explain the season. But man, it's been there's pro tour was terrible. A B tears, awesome. Had the time of my life, and I do want to say in regards to the pro tour, me stepping away from the pro tour has nothing to do with anybody else, with Jeff, with Phil, with Seth, none of those guys. It's, it's been awesome. They were super accommodating. I was truly treated as a tour card holder this year. For some reason, you know, it just didn't align. And I think it's time for people to pick whether they want to have a 40-hour work week or tour. Because in my opinion, I don't think you can do both anymore. I tried it and it Something's going to suffer, and i 'm almost glad it was disc golf because i don 't want my classroom to suffer and my my uh, my kids to suffer, so I uh, forced myself in some events i shouldn't have been in, and moving forward, my priorities are going to be much different
0: yeah i I absolutely commend you for coming to that decision that 's a really difficult decision to kind of get your head around and come to. So really good on you for doing that and doing what's best for you and your personal life and not feeling like you pressure to continue to play and continue to do something that a isn't going very well and B is only creating more problems in your life. So I I do want to talk then a little bit about you had said there toward the end, it's almost becoming impossible to have a 40 hour work week and be on the pro tour. And we've seen more and more less players like yourself who have jobs back home, who do different work outside of disc golf. Do you think there's a world in which five years, if you're not fully committed to the tour, like that is your only job, there's, it's just not a sustainable thing for you.
1: I think it's now, I don't think we have to wait five years. I think it's now because when I started playing what were national tours in 2019, we didn't quite know Gannon Burr yet. We didn't quite know Cole Reddallin, And they're not just coming, they're here. They're winning. Cole won, Ledgestone. Gannon had three elite series, a silver series. And so the, only, the main thing that has changed is the top guys aren't falling off. We're just having new guys come up. And so the torch hasn't been passed yet, but the field has gone from 20 to 25 touring pros where guys like me could push up in the top 25 with having a 40-hour work week. To now, the field is 40-45 deep of dudes that can win. Not just guys in the field, but guys that can show up and win week in and week out. And so, for me to sit at my desk, and even during the summer, you say what you want, I have my summers off. I'm not working like they are from February to the middle of May. And so, for me to get out of my classroom in June and July and try to pick up with them, it could I? Yeah. But I'm not willing to make those sacrifices anymore. I'm going to continue to work hard. I'm not retiring. At some point, I'm going to hang it up and walk away, but this isn't that. am just switching gears and coming back home and, and being where I'm supposed to be. But the, uh, yeah, you've got to pick. You can't have both. And you might be able to have a job, but it's got to be a job that allows you to spend time. And I mean, you've got to be putting in hours. Because, like I said, it's the only thing that's changed, nobody's gone away. The only person that's gone away is Seppo because he retired. Now the only difference is you still got Paul, Rick, Simon, Drew, the OGs, and now you got all the youngsters coming up. Kyle Klein, Cole. Uh, I remember playing on a card with Cole and Cade Philamahala. I had no idea, like they were strangers. And now looking back, I'm like shoot, we we came up together. They ran it a whole lot further than I did because they dedicated everything they had to it. But they're also younger. Now I'm 29. I'm not going to step away from my career at 29 to to pursue that and hope it works out. That'd be, that'd be kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's something you've said the previous two times that we've chatted on here is that it's just not a smart life decision to go full disc golf. And, and what, what does it take for an individual to go full disc golf, to give up everything at home, give up a career, give up a family, give up relationships, give up everything and be on the tour. What does that kind of life and, and how much, time are you putting into disc golf is it 10 plus hours a day
1: well it's to kind of address what you said it's not smart it's not smart for me to leave and go play disc golf but for people who don't mind being on the road for people who may not mind being away from loved ones for people that are built for that life and i think you have to be okay with some uncertainty to do it as well and some people are wired like that. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not like that. I, I like my stability. I like my own bed. I like my hometown. I love seeing my family. Um, but to go on the road, you got to have connections. You, you, you need sponsor support. I don't believe you can do it on your own. And I, I'm not big on the agent era, people having agents. I think if you're making a lot of money, it's not a bad idea but you, you need enough people on your side to where you don't have to play well to get to the next city. I think that's a good way to put it, and I don't know exactly what that looks like because I, I, I'm very happy with Dynamic. They made it possible for me to live a dream. This is still, I consider it the beginning of our relationship. I've been with them for five years. I don't anticipate that ending, um, but I, I, you know, I don't deserve the contract I had this year going into next year. I, I've admitted that to them already. Um, I, I'm not a touring pro. I'm a teacher who tours, and so my we'll see. We'll see what we talk about this off season. But um, I believe you need enough support to where you don't have to play well to get to the next city. And the guys that are that are sending it, that's where the risk lies because you're going to dedicate a lot of time. I don't know how many hours it is, but I would imagine you got to be putting in three, four, five hours a day. I, I would assume if they're playing a practice round and putting, it probably looks like that. Um, but it is a risk because what happens if you get hurt? And what happens if you have a year like I have where you're just hit with thing after thing? And I say without a shadow of a doubt, my game is better than it's ever been, but my rating has dropped 10 points. <laughs> I, I had some very bad finishes and missed caches on the pro tour. Life happens and you never know what's coming your way. And that's where the risk lies.
0: Yeah. And I think... Going on the the mindset of you have to cash at every single event in order to continue to go is such a tough place to be in because you had said it earlier that disc golf was fun again after you had made the decision that you weren't going to go on tour next year. And then you started playing better. So once you remove such a big mental obstacle, all of a sudden you start playing better. And and I remember talking to Jared Christ on the podcast earlier. He he's come back to Wichita, and he had explained how he tried to go on not necessarily the pro tour, but his own kind of disc golf tour being a weekend warrior, but trying to make enough money to go from city to city. And it kind of started to get to the point where it, it just wasn't viable anymore. You missed two, three caches in a row and you're cooked and you, don't, you can't even get back to somewhere called home. And so it's really interesting that removing that obstacle allowed you to play better. And we saw it with the rest of your season. And like you said, you hardly ever finished off of the podium and then you were able to win seven events. The most, I think you said in a season so far, and I assume you have more events coming up the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma opened tomorrow. So my brother and I head to Tulsa tomorrow morning and then, I'm gonna sound like a wuss, but I gotta watch the weather because when it gets in the forties, that's cutting it for me. I'm not a cold weather player at all. So I wanna play a couple more. There's a B tier in Cushing, Oklahoma. But uh yeah, you'll you'll see a lot more of me in the Midwest moving forward. But I do wanna get down south and this phase of my career is gonna look a lot different. And I've already heard one person say, Well, you'll be a big fish in a little pond. Maybe, but I disagree because now Rather than playing the best players in the world on the world's toughest courses, I'm going to play every community's top pro on their home course for the rest of my career. <laughs> like, you think that's easy? You think I want to go to Tulsa and play the Tulsa boys on, I play well at Blackhawk, but I also know they play there all the time. Or when I go to Persimmon Ridge in Arkansas, uh, Bahina and Michael Mayo, and they're the homeboys. They're So it's a whole new challenge where I'm stepping into onto someone else's home course and trying to beat them every weekend. So I don't think there's going to be anything easy about it, but I do look forward to being in contention to win more often and not having to be 100% on and perfect to do it. Because on the pro tour, for someone like me, that's what it takes. I, I can't make mistakes, big mistakes, and get away with it.
0: Yeah, understandable. And so being the weekend warrior moving forward, do you think you're going to see a season pretty similar to this last one over the back half where as many weekends as you can, you're just going to be trying to travel across the Midwest?
1: For sure. I think I'll still be on the road for weeks at a time in the summer. I'm going back to Alaska every year. It was amazing. And if you can make it to the Alaska State Championships, you got to. It's a ton of fun. And Meyer Lake is a blast. Um, but I plan on putting together my own tour, which is, it's, it excites me as well because the pro tour just put out their schedule for next year. A lot of the same stops, Stockton, California, Portland. And if you're on tour, it's great because you don't have to think about it. I go where the tour goes. Now I get to wait for the A tier schedule and I get to pick where I play and when I play there. So I'm going to set my own tour and I anticipate taking a couple week trips and I want to get down South. I want to play more in Texas. I want to play more in Louisiana see some of my buddies down there and maybe even throw in a Florida or South Carolina trip. I'd love to go to the Charlotte area, and uh, I get to fill my tournament or my, my season now with tournaments that truly excite me and that I want to play in. Not that I didn't want to play on the Pro Tour, but I get to choose where I go now, and that is exciting to me yeah, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, Alaska event. What, what were what was the biggest takeaway for you? That was your first time in Alaska, right?
1: yeah so what
0: what was the biggest takeaway for you first how easy was it to get there for a anxious person like myself was it pretty easy to fly in get to the course play it and what about it makes you want to play it every year
1: it was easy uh it's from where we are you fly to seattle i i I don't know if it's different if you go to kansas city but it's it's two three and a half hour flights. so i didn't want a three hour drive before it so Fly to Seattle and then up to Anchorage from there. Um, Stack some coupons and discount codes just because it does get expensive, but you won't regret it. Um, The rental car people only take credit cards. (laughs) We didn't know that. So I was on the phone with my credit union uh, making sure that, I mean, I'm good with money, but I didn't, I, I had a small limit on my credit card and I didn't know what I had charged yet. And so at what was like two in the morning here, I'm calling them and anyway... Uh, have your ducks in a row with all of that before you go. But what makes me want to go back, Alaska, when they call it the last frontier, 100% right. You walk out of the airport and the air is cleaner. It's just you breathe different. Everything, it's you see nature that man has not touched yet, which is kind of hard to find. You don't see foot traffic. You don't see power lines ripping through trees. Uh, you see moose. You see, we didn't see any bear. Um, we saw like taxidermy ones and stuff, but next year I'm going to plan the trip a a little different. This year I got there, played the tournament and then hung out next year. I'm going to hang out, get there early and then play the event and then come home. But, uh, Meyer Lake resort, it's run by a couple Mike and Marissa. They are awesome. Uh, Eric McCabe is the one that kind of talked me into going and he bragged it up. I'm like, okay, Eric, you know, let's see. It was all the hype Meyer Lake resort. And I think it's in Hatcher's Pass uh Alaska, Wasilla area. It's amazing. Uh crystal clear water, uh, silence. It, it's a resort that there are no TVs in the cabins. There's a heater. Um the time I was there the sun never went down. Wow. So if you wanted to play a practice round at two AM you could. And uh it's it's the perfect getaway. It is that resort, Meyer Lake Resort you unplug. Like I said, there's no TVs. It forces you to get outside and kayak and and be in paddle boats and swim if you want. And I love that. And if you're not someone that likes to put your phone down, you won't like it, but it's, it is amazing.
0: Yeah. That sounds absolutely breathtaking. Uh, Definitely somewhere I would, I would love to play and just the whole scene and vibe around it definitely sounds awesome. And so talk to me a little bit about maybe some of the challenges during that event. That's a very unique course Um, what, what are some things that you'll take away from playing those couple rounds there that you'll use to your advantage this next year?
1: Yeah, it's a very technical course. I, uh, with the frustration of how my year went on the pro tour, I dealt with a lot of anger and I've never really been an angry person, but it was just frustration because I man, I know the work I've put in. Why am I not seeing results? And so Alaska was kind of me flipping a switch and saying, you know what? I'm done getting mad at disc golf. It doesn't accomplish anything. And I would tell people that, but then I myself am getting angry. And, uh, I guess the big takeaway there is the only thing getting angry is going to do is ruin your next shot. It's disc golf. And, And it's easier to say that when you're in Alaska, because you look up and there's mountains and you're breathing the most fresh air you've ever breathed. And, uh, it, it just flipped the switch for me. And I looked at Google Maps on my phone and looked at how far away from home I was, just to put it in perspective. I'm like, man, disc golf brought me here. Of all the things to get me to Alaska, it was disc golf. How blessed am I? And I, I will never forget that aha moment of just, I'm getting paid to play disc golf. This is awesome. And why would I be mad at that? Even when I play bad, a bad day of disc golf is better than a good day and most other things. So... Colton Montgomery absolutely shredded. I don't think anybody was catching him. I had a good round one, uh, what I consider a crap round two, and then a good round three to push back up into second, which was the best I was going to do because, like I said, Colton shredded round two. And uh, I want to win it next year. I would like to have an Alaska State title, but... I'm just going to be happy to be back there and see the people I met. The community, the local community was amazing. There were people from Fairbanks and Anchorage and all over that came to that event. We ran a clinic. Kona and I ran a clinic, and it was successful. And I, uh, I didn't meet a lot of people, but it's I felt very welcome. Not every community is like that either sometimes. I don't know that they don't want you there, but they don't welcome you with open arms. And The people at, at the Alaska State Championships did that, every single person. I didn't meet anybody that I don't want to see again. So. I look forward to heading wow, back.
0: That really does sound amazing. Sounds like an event. I'm going to have to save up some cash and and try to get out there cuz yeah, that sounds like an incredible experience. And I liked what you had said about the getting angry only ruins your next shot. And I think that's something a lot of newer disc golfers and there's a couple of guys from my work that I'm coaching right now and you have you go in this progression of you suck and everything is bad and then you start to get better. And then you have that one to two rounds or shots that kind of regress and you kind of start getting that little bit of an anger uh, every now and then. And then as you keep getting better, every time you kind of take a step back or two, you get more angry. And I've seen it where literally exactly what you're saying, it'll be, okay, I missed the first putt on hole one, 10-footer that I shouldn't have missed. And now my drive on hole two is into the trees and it the spiral just starts going on from there do you have any tips or anything to kind of help with stopping that spiral if the first hole's going bad how how can you break out of that
1: well it's it's funny you bring that up because my last tournament um it was a b tier in kansas city i got hit with some of the a lot of people say i got unlucky I'm like no you threw a bad shot like but sometimes you do get unlucky and I went to lay up. It's this really sketchy downhill green. And I went to lay up to gain one on the leader and it caught edge, stood up and rolled out of it. Wow. Like, well, that sucks. Next hole. It's blind. You see the top of the basket, but I know where it is. I throw, we hear chains sounded solid. We get up there and it had hit the chains and rolled. I'm like, what do I, what do I have to do to buy a stroke right now? Like I want to win. And I wound up getting frustrated there and, and, The only way that I can bring myself out of it is telling myself, you almost have to remove yourself. Put yourself up in the clouds and look down at your situation. You're playing disc golf. You are playing a game. And even the best player, like I look at Simon. Simon, I admire him so much because he never lets himself get visibly angry. You see him get frustrated. uh, But you never see him get visibly angry and you never see horrible body language from him you might see him kind of put his head down and kind of chuckle at something, which I think is his way of coping with a bad shot. But he laps it off, and he's on to the next. And he I can't remember where he said it, but he even said, it's, it's disc golf. We're playing disc golf. And uh, this isn't a popular answer, but I think you have to make the mistake to know what not to do. Like, You're going to have a round where you rage, and if you feel good about it when you lay down your head in bed at night, that's on you. But it should eat at you, and if it eats at you and you're kind of embarrassed by it, give yourself some grace, forgive yourself, and don't let it happen again. I've had players who I play with message me the night after a round and say, hey, I'm sorry for the way I acted. I hope it didn't affect you. You know, And I've apologized to people before too. Hey, sorry I kind of raged back there for a couple holes. I hope I didn't affect you. Um, but I tell them all the same thing. Show yourself some grace, forgive yourself, and don't make the same mistake again. That's all you can do. You can't change what happened. But when this golf becomes ultimate in your life it's going to anger you because it's way more important than it should be and something that's not important to you can't anger you so I want to win more than anybody I promise you I want to win but at the end of the day if I don't win, the sun comes up tomorrow and my life is still pretty great and the people that love me don't love me because I win they love me because they love me and the fans that support me, they don't support me just because I win, they don't care where I finish so I don't know if that helps. Hopefully it helps somebody, but get over it. It's it's just difficult. Yeah,
0: off. that's some really sound advice, I think, at the end of the day of, you know... You can't change what happened in the past. You can't change that you missed that putt. And uh, all you can do is kind of go forward. And I think today was a pretty good example, actually. My uh, my boss at my actual job, him and I were playing, and I've been working with him a lot. And you guys have probably seen him on the old TikToks and Instagrams. Uh, we're really trying to work on that rounding issue. And uh, he had a pretty good shot, had about a 12-footer on the first hole, and came up short and I was like, damn, you're probably going to need that one because he's trying to get his first even round. And sure enough, here he came. He had three tough holes, like 11, 12, 13. If he could get by with those, he had a pretty good shot at an even round. And he took a double bogey on the 13th hole, and you could just kind of tell the body language was gone, the the wow maybe i really did need that first hole and and then we kind of had to have that conversation of like hey man you can't change the past at this point all we can do is go forward and try to make something crazy happen let's get 14 let's get 15 we're right back in it like that is such good advice that just because something has happened in the past does not mean it's going to happen in the future and you cannot change that but you can change your next shot so Absolutely love that. And I'm going to kind of transition that off a little bit. And let's talk about the local tournament here in Wichita, the big A tier. Um, That was an amazing win by you, uh, winning the 2023 Keeper of the Chains. Can you talk to me a little bit about that event? You hadn't played that event in a couple years, have you? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When
1: conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness,
0: decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Nope. I, I actually haven't played an event in Wichita in about three years. I just didn't work with my schedule, or it was a C tier, and I just didn't really feel it. Uh, I like the bigger events. I like to make money. I like the good competition, and uh, yeah, I won it as an amateur in 2019. No, as an amateur in 2018, and then I wanted an MPO in 2019, 2020, didn't play it in 21 or 22, and then came back this year, and coming back this year, man... Am I still the guy? Am, no. I think like, you proved yes. I, I, I used to be. <laughs> I used to be, but I also know guys are working hard. And who's who's it gonna be? Who's gonna be at the top? That's gonna get hot because someone's gonna get hot every weekend. It might be multiple people. But after round one, I had a one one or two stroke lead, I think. And then round two, I had a four stroke lead. And I torch. I have never done that at Oak Park before. Not in practice. Not in a league. Anything. I shot 12 down at Oak Park to give myself a four-stroke lead and I thought, man, that, that was autopilot. That's when I'm scary. I'm not thinking about anything and so I went nine down, 12 down, and then seven down on the final day, I believe, and that seven down, I took a four-stroke lead and made it eight and then I laid up a few times toward the end just to not be stupid and I wound up winning by five. So That felt good to come back home and win that and man, everybody's good. Like every, everybody's been working and they're, and they're good. I just, I had a good weekend and my putter touched the ground twice from circle one. So when that's happening, it's, I'm, I'm kind of hard to beat. I think anybody's hard to beat. That's not unique to me when when you're putting well, it makes everything easier. I don't have to throw my upshots good. I just, I know I can hit it. And yeah, Caleb Bruce had a good weekend. He uh, going in the final day, I think he was the only one that could threaten and, he caught some misfortune early, which will be coming out on Disc and Deals coverage on YouTube, so I don't know when that's going to come out, but at least the final round is recorded, so you'll get to see Clap East was what we played on the final day, which is an awesome venue just outside of Ducks in Wichita, and it was a great weekend. Fun courses, good people, and really good to come back home and get the reception I did, because I wasn't really sure about that either. You know, I haven't been here for a couple of years, I've heard a little chatter that I don't come around much, but I, I come around. It may not be a whole lot, but I'm here and I'm still the same dude. You know, I I love the fact that I show up and I'm just Logan to the guys. That's, that's all I want. Just be one of the guys, have fun and throw some. Yeah. Discs.
0: That's, that's amazing. And did it kind of change your mindset going into that final round, knowing it was just you and Caleb, you really just had to beat one guy. You're pretty much, yes, you had a lead, but you're pretty much just playing match play with this guy. You didn't have to worry about anyone else. Does that alleviate some pressure on, on your game?
1: That, well, no, not really, because I'm I'm more apt to think about, like, don't blow this. <laughs> like, if you're the dude that blows a four-stroke lead, whoo. That's, I don't want to be known for that. Uh, but Caleb did. I, he told me before the, the round that he didn't get a practice round. Mm. And that kind of changed the way I look. And, and I said, hey, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Because Caleb's always been straight up with me. We have a good relationship. And I said, if you have questions, let me know. I'll, I'll be real with you and tell you where you want to be and where you don't. And I meant that. I want, I want you at your best. I, I'm not going to mislead you. I, I want to beat you because I worked harder and I played better. I don't want to beat you because you didn't know where an OB line was or anything. And unfortunately, I believe he went OB twice on hole two, which hole two is a monster yeah. on East. That is a tough, tough hole, and uh, that bumped the lead from four to six on hole two. And then, you know, I don't want to say it was locked up then because it wasn't, but with a six-stroke lead, I can I can play safe, and I was playing safe and still birdieing. So it was it was autopilot, and we had fun. You know, there was. It, it was a good card and I think when the footage comes out it'll show that we, we genuinely had a good time and uh I hated it for Caleb and I mean that. I, I wanted I want to battle and I want to see my friends play well too. I'm not someone that pumps my fist when someone goes out of bounds. I want people to play well and, and like I said, I don't want to win because you rolled your ankle or because you didn't know where an O B line was. I wanna win fair and square. I I I'm, I'm always wired like that. So hated it for him, but man it felt good to to lay up to win a couple times. I've never been able to do that. I've laid up before, but never multiple times. So that was that was cool to not have to push. And my brother, my brother, I was walking. There's there's a hole there. I forget what hole it is. It's it's on the back nine. But we you can there's this bridge is blocked off and some people walked across. I'm like I don't feel right doing that. So we walked the long way. And I see my brother walking in the gallery. I'm like, what the heck are you doing here, dude? I didn't even know you were here. And so he he walked with me for the last few holes. And so he's. He's been literally walking shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with me for both my A-tier wins, so that was special to have him there for that's that That's awesome.
0: Too. Yeah, that's really cool. How, how would you describe the play of those courses? You obviously played fantastic. Was there anything about the event that you would have changed, made more difficult? How, how would you rate the overall event? Playing it next year?
1: Playing it on it, yeah. Uh, Duck and I are talking about some changes already, and uh, the city... From what I understand, coming from Duck, the city's very supportive. They're down to put in some trees and things. I've thought of a couple pins to move to turn kind of – there's a couple holes that I felt were kind of a par 3.5, and, and we can make them a little – make them true par 4s and make them tough second shots, and that's something I'm in favor of. I can't think of the whole numbers off the top of my head, but one I can think of is hole 16 east. Coming down the stretch – It's wide open, just a little dump hyzer with a sidewalk you got to avoid, and I bet a lot of people toot it. Uh, We need to make that harder. (laughs) We need to make that, and and the one bogey I had on the weekend was hole seven, which is just this little chip shot over a creek, and I should have just blasted it past to be safe, but I was playing for birdie. I I wanted to continue to be aggressive because I'm more likely to go OB laying up than being aggressive. I don't like laying up, Um, but... That one, I, I said, should be an island if we're going to throw to that. It's only 310, I think. I came up short trying to park it. I, I should have just ripped it. But I don't think you should be able to rip it 60, 80 feet past and be safe there. I, I think, if, especially if it's an A tier. If it's a B tier or something, doesn't matter. But in an A tier with that money on the line, an island, a, a, a pucker hole like that is not a bad thing. But... There's a few, and and uh, if you follow Wichita Disc Golf at all, I, I think those changes are really going to be communicated when they happen.
0: Yeah, I'll have to tap in. I know. I'm always in favor of making things a little bit more difficult, adding some trees here and there. And I think the more par fours we can have around town, the better the disc golf will be and the better you get. I think a great example. And I'm pretty sure you guys, like I'm 99.9% sure you guys played at Oak Hole 7 in the long position, the new long position. Um, and I've had so many people tell me, oh, this is ridiculous, it should be a par four, and I say, no, brother, I love this as a par three. This is one of the top-tier holes in Wichita because it's a par three. If you make it a par four, it's just another hole. Um, What what are your thoughts on that change, and do you agree, should it be a par four? What what are your thoughts?
1: I don't care about par, Um, and I think par is going to get less and less important as time goes on par doesn't have to be attainable it's my score against yours and i like i don't like following golf's lead on a lot i think we should do our own thing we don't use a t we don't really have a green like some of that terminology we don't tap in we drop in i think we need to do our own thing away from golf but what golf does great is they don't often communicate their scores relative to par they say they shot a 62 or they shot a 64, or, you know, you don't hear 10 under or something like that. You might see it on a scoreboard, but especially next year, now that the PDGA is talking about us, everybody keeping score after a round, it's going to be important that we say we shot a 48 or not five down because a five down on your U disc might be different than the five down on my 54 par scorecard. So par, I don't, I don't care about the par. Um, You couldn't call hole seven a par four though. It's not, not enough. You, you, you can park it. I will say there's luck involved, though, because it's a flex forehand for me, and I'm not aiming for any specific gap. Yeah. I'm throwing it like I did to the old pin, just with a little more steam, and I'm hoping that I get a hard pan skip forward.
0: What disc are you throwing on that? Raider. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, super overstable, nice.
1: Stable Raider on a, on a little ante to where it goes out and bends, but still comes back, cause my miss is to cook it yep. left because you can usually still get up and down. But even then, if, if you get just left of the old pin, it, that's a scramble and a half from there.
0: I feel like <laughs> when I'm over there, I have to throw a, a forehand roller because there's nothing there. Those guardian trees are so small, but they're so close that y- you can't get around unless you're throwing a roller down.
1: Just about. And then the, the basket's up on a hill, so if you don't get up the hill, you're putting up and you don't normally practice yep. those.
0: Yeah, so. I love that hole.
1: It's a good hole. Have I like it. Have you
0: played... Caleb got Diddy? it. That's awesome. Have you played yeah. Knockwood yet?
1: I went out there what once. What are your thoughts yeah. on that course? It's cool. It's tight. It's, uh, it's a good mix. Um, the The course design concerns me with those three fairways. Like I, The safety component. Like 6, 7, 8. Uh, I know somebody... like that. I think so, yeah, the three that yep. zigzag just after you um, kind of walk that, down and only... then
0: walk back up that that area, okay, yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah they though I don't like those holes, um, but that's my only knock is that that <laughs> yeah, knock, good pun. Get it. Um, that uh I don't want people getting hurt, Disks hurt, and I know somebody already got hurt, not from a disc, but they were trying to jump out of the way of a disc. I don't like that, but knockwood, I like it a lot. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a drive for me and having to pay every time to play it. I, I don't necessarily like that, but if every time I go play it, it's mowed and manicured and everything's good, then it's worth the pay to play. That's the trade off there. So it's, I like it. It's fun. And, and I, I can't wait for some bigger tournaments out there. Cause I think I'll definitely be playing. Do you think
0: that, that is the, a space that could host an A tier?
1: A tier would be pushing it. Um, I think you'd have a lot of backups. I think in a B tier, you're going to have a lot of backups. I'm having trouble picturing holes that should be cleaned up. I don't know that it really needs that. But A tier courses, I want to throw the majority of my shots relatively hard, I guess. Um, That one's pretty short. You get to throw hard on one and two. And even then, not like you want to get hole one, hole two. You probably don't need to birdie. It's a bonus if you do. Hole three, you can throw hard, but you really just want to get out. I'm throwing driver because the last thing I want to do is hit the gap and not go to the pin. So I'm just ripping and and hoping I hit the gap. But uh, I don't know if if it's done correctly. Yeah, I would encourage a different a second course too, um, just so that I, I don't know. I I hadn't really thought about that. Could it? Yes. Uh, I think backups and things like that would need to be addressed, though. Yeah. And, and as long as it's fair. There was one hole, I think it's four or five. It's It just, it, it felt like this.
0: Is that the one where it just and goes then like there's straight one, down, pretty much?
1: It's a big yeah, drop off, uh-huh, yeah. I know
0: what you're talking about.
1: And I, I think there was a line to hit, but you had to hit the line and then miss some stuff, and then there's one late, yeah. 15 yep. maybe that like if we clean those up to where there's one line that's definitively better than the others, then we're good. Cause I, I, I don't like, this isn't about Knockwood, but I don't like stepping up to any hole and I see five places I could throw and I don't know which one's best. Even if I walk it, I can't tell which option is best. I think we need one option that's better than the rest and clean up, especially the one late. Cause I,
0: I, the one that's,
1: Unless you are just a sharpshooter, I don't think you're you're getting that.
0: That's one. the one right before you. Then are throwing directly toward the lake, right? Where there's just yeah. so many trees in the middle. It's either it's either a forehand mm. or a backhand if you're a righty, and you got you got to hit that thing perfect.
1: Yeah, and I I went with the sneaky route on the right, and there are routes, but it is the epitome of perfect or punished. And I, I just think that should be cleaned up. Uh, the the green there is really yeah. cool. It, they and they've done a ton of work. Like it it is an awesome course, it really is. But if we're talking A tier with more money on the line, I I like to see it a little bit more fair than, than those two holes. But they've they've done a phenomenal job. I actually met uh, one of not the owner, one of the designers, and I think it was when I was playing the first of those three holes that zigzag. And I, I think the only thing I said was, because that pin wasn't really accessible off the tee, and I said, what would happen if you cut, you know what I'm talking about? That don't. The road is OB, yeah. the, the gravel. Yes. And I said, what if you cut a sucker route to the right that you can attack the pin, and then it's risk-reward if you don't, if you don't land OB, or if drive lands OB, like there's no question of crossing. OB off the tee, you go to the drop zone. Because then like, I'm going to throw the sucker gap. I'm going to take my risk at a two and then it's a two or a four rather than chip, chip, three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that, I think that was my only feedback for him. But it's a cool course. It's got a variety of shots. It's technical. You get to rip on three holes, I think. Um, but I, I like it. If, if my friends go, it's, it's one that I need to be with people to play. I wouldn't drive out there to play it on my own just because it's a drive for me. But I enjoy playing it with friends. As far as an A tier, I don't know. I think they had a C tier out there not too long ago, so see how that goes, see how B tier goes, and just see how it flows, and and some courses just don't flow for A tiers, and it's not that it's a bad course, just a slow playing course. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with yeah, that.
0: Yeah, very, very fair. Um, so let's talk then a little bit about how players can get better if they want to play in an A tier. Those are very big tournaments, hard to get into. Now you're going to have to have a PDGA number for the rest of time if you want to play tournament disc golf. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but that's not what we're talking about here. Go ahead.
1: I don't think for C tiers though.
0: Are they not going to? I think implement I read that.
1: I I think I read, let me check here real quick. I think I read yesterday the PDGA posted, like, changes, we listened, and it said you don't have to be, here, results. I, I don't think you have to be PDGA to play C-Tier. That's C huge. B and A-Tiers, yes.
0: Because, genuinely, if I have to be a PDGA member to play C-Tier, you will not see me at a disc golf tournament again. Um, I'm just being honest with everyone. It's not happening.
1: I... Instagram, probably. Stay tuned. I turned off my Wi-Fi. That's fair. So.
0: That's on me, everyone. The suspense is building. You probably might know this by the <laughs> time uh, you actually listen to this. But, um, yeah, you cannot catch me there. Oh, gosh, we're reading. Um, let me look it up on my phone.
1: Is it uh, backwards? Yeah. Non-members can still play C nice. tiers. No D tiers. I don't even know what a D tier is, but it says no D tiers yet pace of play for groups is clearer and more enforceable and everyone's keeping score in 24 okay so non-members can play tier.
0: okay when I hear those things I like is that non-members can play um, things I don't like <laughs> but it should happen I'm just being annoying is everyone has to keep score um, I literally keep my own score so I really shouldn't be mad about that I actually that is probably that yeah. is definitely a net positive. Um and uh, d tiers make no sense to me. The first time I read those, it was like flex C tiers are now D tiers, and you don't need a PDGA mm. membership. And to me, when I look at it, a at value like I pretty much all day in my day job, I look at value and are things worth it. And so, like for me, it's like I'm not going to pay thirty dollars to go do a one round flex C tier, and now that's the only option if I want to play organized competitive disc golf you would not catch me out there league yeah sure i'll go to a league but no i'm not not playing a d tier um yeah sorry what what are your thoughts on those rule changes
1: i don't like everybody keeping score but you can't complain about a rule that applies to everybody everybody's got to deal with it it's like playing in the rain or the wind yeah it sucks but everybody's got to do it so uh i'm a paper card guy now i'm gonna load up on a bunch of paper cards i'll never be without one and i'm gonna have pencils and i'm I don't like being on my phone. If I'm on my phone, I'm playing Castle Raid, and I'm unplugging. Like, I'm not looking at scores. So I don't mind that. I don't mind not being a member to play C-Tiers. If we're really growing the sport and people want to get competitive, I think they should be able to play C-Tiers. Don't even know what a D-Tier is, so I can't talk about that. Um, And then pace of play for groups is clearer and more enforceable. That rule is only as good as people will make it. Because it's not, there's a lot of things that aren't enforced right now. So I don't like that players police. I think for A tiers and above, you should have a TD or someone walking with or on the course accessible for calls and things like that. But I don't, then again, you're making so much more work for tournament directors and I know their job is already hard enough. So I don't know what the answer is, but I am tired of being put in positions where I'm expected to make a call that affects somebody in A tiers and I'm not going, like, I don't want to win because I called something on you. Like, unless you're cheating, if, if you are cheating or you stepped on your disc, like, malicious, you wanted to gain an advantage, I'm calling you every day. every day. I hate cheating, I hate lying, I hate dishonesty. But, uh, man, you call faults. you screw up the, the mood for the whole place. I will give warnings. Um, and, and I have not encountered a person who foot faulted that I warned that didn't do it again. But I have had people raise their voice with a conversation about foot faults. And you're like, you know what? It's not worth it for me to get into this. And it sucks because I, I should be strong enough to make those calls. But I think everybody's felt that at some point. You don't want to be that guy. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is a right answer. But PDJ is doing the best they yeah. can.
0: That's such a tough position for any disc golfer to be in. I really feel like it is because especially at the A tier and up level where there is actually a lot of money on the line, but just at any level of competitive – tournament play if someone is consistently breaking the rules and then if you're going to be the one to say something a that takes a lot of courage and b it is going to ruin the vibe for the rest of the round and depending on how that person takes it they'll either be like you know what you're right that was a violation okay or you're going to get the guy who's going to get in your face and then it's really going to be awkward. And like you said, is it even worth it? I think the only time I've ever called uh, a violation was the guy literally turned around and said, I'm pretty sure I foot faulted there. And I was just like, yes, I second that hundred yeah. percent brother. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I will say out of respect for, I don't know if they listened to this, but out of the respect for the guy that raised his voice, we're cool. He apologized. It was a, it was, it wasn't really heated, but, uh, we're all good. You know, there were no hard feelings or anything. And I had, I don't even know that I issued a warning there, but I, I said something about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a warning guy. If I think, if, if you foot faulted blatantly, I'm calling it every time, but if it looks close, Hey, clean that up. Some that I probably could call that, but with now slow motion, I can't yeah. tell. So, I I wouldn't mind seeing circle one go away.
0: I was actually talking about this with Trenton the other day on one of our work walks of we should just get rid of circle one or make circle one like the edge of circle two with circle one or something like that, like just eliminate step putts and make putting more difficult on the upper levels and all, all of those good
1: things. I'd rather see that than new baskets. I've heard talk of smaller baskets. But no one's asking me. I'm, I'm off the to pro tour. Like I, I, don't really have a say anymore. But I, I don't believe that eliminating circle one would affect the most entertaining putters. I, I don't think you would be disappointed. I think the guys that are putting on a show putting are still gonna, they're gonna continue to. It's not gonna affect them so much. Because um, you look at guys like Rick, Paul, Eagle has started a step putt, but he only uses it when he's way out. Um, Gannon, as much as he loves the step putt, the dude can putt standing still from a hundred feet and still make it. Like he doesn't need that, um, and I know that because I've stayed at his house before, and it's insane what that kid can do. Like he he gets so much. You've seen it on camera, but it's it, it's a lot of hard work and reps that he puts in, and the way that he can putt and get that snap and spin on that from the left hip leading with the elbow pop, it's, it's insane. I don't think you would see it affect the most entertaining putters, but once again, the PDJ is doing the best they can and it would redefine, it it would almost kind of start a new era of statistics Mm -hmm. because you'd have the circle one era and then the post circle one era and I don't know, there's something to be said for carrying things on, not just because of the way we've always done it, but it's a system that we know works. I'm I've been outspoken. I'm not a fan of step and jump putting. I try not to do it, but it's, it's legal. So people do the
0: first to admit, I love it. And I do it. I can't imagine a world without me being able to do it, but that's because I suck at disc golf and I, I need that. But could I practice and get better? Absolutely. But I also think that's not a change we need to make at the B and C tier level. A and up. I mean, sure. Elite series. Sure. Um, but if you're just going out to go hang with your buds, then I, who cares?
1: If we if we're playing different rules for different levels, then the rating system has to oh, be different. Oh, we should team. get rid of ratings. So there's a lot of red. Yeah, I'm ratings cool with, are horrible. But uh, if I if I do if I do play in a couple events a year, then I still need to have it. Uh, you might see me at Dynamic Disopen or something like that. So my rating is still kind of important. But uh, yeah, there's there's some flaws in the system. But once again, I, PDJ is doing the best they can. I I've got no bad blood with them. They uh, they're doing the best they can, and I think it's been a heck of a year for them. And the sport's growing like crazy. They're trying to keep people happy, and I think letting non-members play C tiers is a great. Great move on their part because it's going to let a lot of people experience tournaments that otherwise
0: yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, 100%. I mean, doing that then convinces someone, oh, okay, uh, and I'll use the example of the folk I'm working with and coaching right now. They've never played in a tournament, and so if they get to a point where it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe I do want to play in a tournament, but I don't know if I want to commit to buying a $50 membership just to get $10 off uh, at you know signing up for a tournament. And so that C tier gives them an opportunity to be like, you know what? This is for me. I do like tournaments. I want to play more of these. I'll get the membership. I'll get the other benefits, and I'm happy. Or they can be like, you know what? This actually isn't for me. This is not something I want to do, and they aren't out that money, and uh, everything is good. But... That is really all I have for this episode, Logan. This was absolutely fantastic. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, commend you for what decisions you're making on and off the course and committing to a lifestyle that is going to better you as a person. So love absolutely hearing that for you. Where can people continue to connect with you, follow you, learn more about your journey?
1: Really just Instagram and Facebook, it's the same posts that go to both. I rarely ever put anything. Instagram, I'm probably more active on stories and stuff. Sometimes they go to Facebook, sometimes they don't. I need to get better at the media stuff, but man, this, especially these last few months, have, have been kind of kind of all over the place, so I haven't been the best at it. But I appreciate everybody who supported me. It's It's been amazing, and uh, I'm not stepping away. I'm just switching gears. I'm going to be, I anticipate being more active in 24 than I ever have been because I'm I'm able to do it. And I'm able to sleep in my own bed more often. I get to pick where I play now and, and all that stuff. So I'm very excited. I'm excited for an off season to step away and reset. And, and I'm healthy at the moment, but there are some things health-wise I need to work on and get right to where I can be the best I can be in 24. But uh, I just thank you to everybody. Thank you for having me on here to where this this kind of stuff I, I love doing because I don't feel like people get to hear me just sit down and be me very often. And it's easy to see me on tournament day where I walk to the first tee and someone says, good luck, Logan, and I raise my hand and I keep walking and I don't say anything. I, I understand that I can be seen as kind of arrogant at times because I'm a quiet person, but... I I would encourage people to view it more as a quiet confidence, and I'm there to do a job at that time. If you want to talk, let's talk after. But uh, my my silence is not a negative thing. It's it I like to flip the switch and compete, but at the same time, I like doing things like this, and I I hope I get more opportunities to just talk and let people hear that I'm a, I'm not a robot. You know, I drink chocolate milk, I ride my scooter, and I play disc golf, so I'm. A, I lived kind of a boring life, but, man, I like it, and and I'm so thankful for everybody that's let me live this life. And whether you bought a tour series disc, a hat, a shirt, uh, or a Brixton trading card that I'm going to sign here and then ship back to you, uh, I appreciate everybody who supported me up to this point, and we're not done yet.
0: That's awesome to hear it. Thank you, Logan, so much for joining me on the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast today. If you guys enjoyed, make sure you subscribe for more episodes, and we will see you guys next week.